Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, April the 7th, 2022. It is currently 3.39 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, before we move forward, I want us to go backwards, right? Sometimes you have to take a step back before you can move forward, right? Sometimes you have to go back before you can advance. It doesn't always work that way, but in this particular case, I think it's very important. I want us to all go back to right right as the pandemic was beginning to spread and lockdowns were starting to occur and and many churches were moving to uh, you know live streaming only and everything that was happening right there at the beginning of the pandemic i want you to go back and see can you remember that i i'm sure you can it wasn't that long ago i'm sure you can remember everything that was happening at the beginning of the pandemic and as the pandemic was starting to spread and all of these lockdowns and all of these things were occurring I remember sitting in an empty church, Ovalo, Texas, in the middle of nowhere, turning on the microphone and saying something like this, and I said it over and over and over again. If you've been listening since then, you know. If you're brand new, you don't remember any of this, but let me remind you of what I said. I said that this could be an opportunity for the church. Either we can use this situation, this pandemic, to become distracted and it could it could just disintegrate into politics and arguing and conspiracy theories and just, just turn into nonsense. Or the as a church, and speaking of the church in a general sense, the church in general, what we could do is use this as an opportunity to examine ourselves, repent of sin, grow spiritually, use this as an opportunity so that when it was all over, we would come out of it better off, that the church would come out more pure, more godly, more dedicated, that we would have experienced great spiritual growth during that time. And what happened? Well, for the most part, not every single church, but a large number of churches, it really did disintegrate into exactly what I was afraid of. They started worrying. They wanted to argue and fight over mask mandates. And no, we're not going to social distance. And no, we're not going to do this. And we're going to fight. We're going to argue. And then it was conspiracy theories. And then it was where COVID started. And then the vaccines had the mark of the beast. And it just was craziness and craziness and craziness and craziness. And it seems like churches were more interested and trying to make a point. They seem more interested in trying to make a point instead of looking at how they could minister to people during a pandemic. Instead of looking for the church to stop and go, how can we use this season, use this period of time as an opportunity to glorify God and to grow spiritually? It was like, how can we use this opportunity to fight the man, fight the power. How can we use this to to show that we're not going to listen to liberals or whatever the case may be? And this is what I was afraid of. I was afraid this was going to happen because in my mind, I was thinking, okay, it's based off where we are as a society at at the beginning of the pandemic, even before the pandemic, I knew that it was easy for any church anywhere, even in the middle of nowhere, Texas, a little small church, no money, the middle of nowhere, I was able to turn on a microphone and 
do broadcast after broadcast after broadcast, program after program, where we did Bible study exercises, we did devotional messages, we we were Bible teaching, sermons, you commentary, you name it. We just theological discussions, church history. Just, I mean, we were doing one thing after another, after another, hour after hour after hour after hour. Instead of turning it into Conspiracy Central, instead of turning it into, you know, hey, everyone, drive your car and sit in the parking lot where we can try to make some point where we can try to, I don't know what we're going to demonstrate, everybody sitting in their car, instead of trying to do drive-in services and trying to do all of these things and and fighting the powers that be and trafficking and, and conspiracy theories, let's use the technology to minister to as many people as possible. And that's what we try to do. And I look, and I don't say that because we were, you know, patting ourselves on the back like that we did everything right. What I'm trying to say is based off our resources, Based off where we are located, based off what we have, we were able to do that. Where churches could have done, there were churches out there who could have done far more than we could have ever even dreamed of. They have a staff of people. They could have been broadcasting 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They could have had people broadcasting during the morning, people broadcasting in the afternoon, people broadcasting in the evening, people broadcasting in the overnight hours. It could have been, they they have, you know, they, they have musicians on staff. They, they pay people. They, they have uh, people who do things with sound and live streaming. They could have just been, I mean, it could have been, uh, they've got, you know, all kinds of people on staff. You have multiple teaching elders, you just name it. And they could have just been teaching, teaching, Bible reading, devotional, and theological discussions. It could have just been hour after hour after hour after hour after hour of ministry. But churches seem to get so distracted. And that's one of the things I kept trying to tell people, don't get distracted. While everything is going crazy, focus in. So I gave people things to do. Like, hey, read The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis. So we started a, a series. We're still working on that series. Hey, let's let's focus on Proverbs. Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. And, and try and let's do Bible study exercises and all the other things that we attempted to do. Some of the things we tried wasn't successful. Some of the things we tried failed miserably, but it was one attempt after another to say, hey, just tune in and we'll be right there with you going through this together, but keeping our focus on the things of God. And there was a, there was a little, there was a, there was at least a little bit of hope in the midst of all of that, because according to some articles that were being put out, Bible sales were increasing dramatically. That that was what a lot of reports said. There were a lot of people, I saw it on Reddit and I saw it on a number of other sites. There were a lot of people because of the pandemic, because of lockdown, because they weren't going to work. A lot of them decided, you know what? I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to study the Bible. Maybe it was the fear of the pandemic. Maybe it was just because they had extra time. A lot of people who had never picked up a Bible started reading it and asking questions. So I was thinking, well, wait a minute, here's people out there who may be more interested in the Bible than at any other time, possibly, or like any other time in recent history. And what is the church doing? Yelling and screaming and fighting and arguing and we're not going to wear a mask and you can't tell us what to do. And we're, and it's, and it's just like, wait, I think we're missing the point. Well, the dust has settled a little bit, right? The dust has settled most churches are back to normal. Most people are back at work. 
for, for the most part, a lot of things are back to normal. Yes, there's another variant starting to become dominant in the United States, and there's some states that are seeing increases in COVID cases. So I don't know where we're headed. But right now, the dust seems to have settled. A lot of people have moved on. And now that the dust has settled, where are we right now? Well, according to a report that was released today, all right, Thursday, April the 7th, 2022, we read this. The American Bible Society finds an unprecedented, unprecedented, something we have not seen before. The American Bible Society finds an unprecedented drop in number of Bible users in one year. The American Bible Society has found that there has been an unprecedented drop in the number of people using the Bible, or people who are be classified as Bible users, that in one year, it's just been this like, boom, fall off the cliff, boom, just drop. Now, we're going to read a little bit about this, but see, this is, I, this bothers me so much because I felt like the church had this absolutely amazing, beautiful opportunity. People, people had less options for entertainment. Movie theaters were closed. Sporting events were closed down. I mean, it was just like so many things that people were so, are so used to being distracted by, the distraction was gone. And so there it was the opportunity for churches to say, hey, you can't leave your house. Here you go. Tune in here and we'll be broadcasting Bible teaching, Bible reading, things that maybe you've never even considered 24-7. But nope. Like nobody seemed to have the the foresight or or the vision to do that, which just I, again to this stage just blows my mind. I didn't have look. I know this. In one year, we did nine hundred and I don't remember. I think it was nine hundred and thirty, nine hundred and forty episodes in a year. Now that was one person doing all of that. I can't imagine what I could have done with a team of people or even just a group of 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 pastors and broadcaster Christian podcasters working together we should have been able to produce just an, an insane amount of of content for people but in many cases the churches were again hey come drive to the church and sit in your car and then we'll all honk our horns and we'll let everyone know that we're at your, it was just like these weird displays of i don't even know what we were trying to i think more churches were more worried about money than they were about an opportunity to minister in the middle of a pandemic. But let's read and see what they discovered. And I'll talk about some of the reasons I think maybe we've seen this drop, right? So American Bible Society finds an unprecedented, that's the word that is in the headline, an unprecedented drop in a number of Bible users in one year. Here's the story. There has been an unprecedented drop in the number of Bible users in the United States since last year, according to a report released by the American Bible Society. The 2022 State of the Bible report released Wednesday based its findings on responses collected from a survey. Right? This was conducted in January. The 12th annual report asked Americans a variety of questions about their Bible use and their thoughts on its role in society. A preface to the report also highlights changes in the percentage of Bible users in the U.S. over time. The American Bible Society defines a Bible users or Bible users as, and I quote, those who use the Bible at least three to four times each year on their own outside of a church setting. 
Now, that, that's a very liberal definition of a Bible user. Hey, if you use the Bible three or four times in a year outside of a church setting, well, congratulations, you are a Bible user. That, that is, <laughs> I have a, I can't even believe they, they would even allow that to be the classification. Three or four times makes you a Bible user in a 12-month period. If you pick up the Bible three or four times outside of a church setting, you are a Bible user. How is it possible that that number could drop? Okay, but 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 the, the number supposedly has dropped. All right, let's continue. After reaching a high of 53% in 2014, the share of Bible users among the U.S. adult population consistently remained between 48 and 51%. Just last year, 50% of Americans were Bible users. However, in 2022, Bible users in the U.S. account for just 39% of the adult population, the lowest in more than a decade. Stayed around 50%, and all of a sudden it's dropped to 39%. Just an, an absolute, like... Um, like just drive a car off a cliff. Uh, someone in chat just said, I bet some unbelievers even read the Bible that many times. I, I, I agree. Like, I think some, I think even unbelievers may say, hey, yeah, what, what's in the Bible? I haven't read that lately. I mean, three or four times in a year, how could that even be classified as a Bible user? But the point is, well, however you classify it, it's dropped to 39%. That's like, boom, that's a massive drop. And it's lowest than it's been. And as they say, let me give you exact things, uh, more than a decade, more than a decade. They go on to say, the state of the Bible report described the 11% decrease as an unprecedented drop in the Bible and the percentage of Bible users in the United States. When applied to the U.S. population as a whole, the figures suggest that the number of Bible users in the U.S. dropped from 128 million to 103 million in 2022. The group labeled Bible users consisted of Americans who read the Bible outside of the church as infrequently as three to four times a year to those who use the Bible daily. 10% of the U.S. adults use the Bible daily, so 10% use it daily. 4% use it four to six times a week. 7% consult it two or three times a week. 5% read the Bible once a week, and 7% read it once a month. More than half, 60% of Americans, use the Bible less than three to four times a year. A plurality of 40% of those surveyed never read the Bible on their own, while 12% read it less than once a year, and 8% look at it once or twice a year. All right? Yeah, yes. Uh, um, now, let's make it very clear. I don't know the people polled here. Did they profess to be believers? Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the point is, that's a very liberal definition. And the fact that that number has dropped, that, that, that is, a, is a significant finding, at least, at least in part. Now, they go on to say this. Uh, the State of the Bible report also demonstrates that what the American Bible Society describes as a major decrease in scripture engagement which is defined as consistent interaction with the Bible that shapes people's choices and transforms their relationship with God, self, and others. The estimated number of scripture-engaged Americans dropped from 64 million in 2021 to 49 million in 2022. 
At the same time, the estimated number of Bible disengaged Americans rose from 100 million to 145 million this year. So those actually engaged is dropped. So users is dropping. Those engaged is dropping. And those who have disengaged have dramatically increased. All the statistics are going the wrong way. The survey also required about respondents' Bible reading habits. The overwhelming majority, 78% of those surveyed, indicated that their Bible reading stayed the same over the past year, as 13% reported an increase, uh, and the remaining 10% saw a decrease in their Bible reading. So those who read, they stayed somewhat similar, right? When asked, how do you think our country would be without the Bible, specifically referring to a hypothetical scenario where nobody read the Bible at all, a plurality of respondents, 45%, indicated that they thought the U.S. would be worse off without the Bible. This is a notable decrease from last year when 54% believed the, uh, the U.S. would be worse without the Bible. So now less people, so we had more people at one point thinking, man, though everything would be worse if people weren't reading the Bible, and now less people believe that. Uh, 41% of respondents contended that the country would be about the same without the Bible, an increase from 33%. Uh, the share of Americans who think the U.S. would be better off without the Bible remained flat at 14%. All right. Uh, let's see here if there's anything else here. Additional chapters of this year's uh, State of the Bible report are expected to be released throughout the year. So throughout the year, we're going to get different reports from all of their, looking at all of their data, and then it will be released. And obviously, probably every time it's released, I'll turn on the microphone and talk about it. But let's, let's discuss this, all right? Couple of things here. I do not know, because I don't think the article makes it clear if this is referring to professing believers or just anybody. I'm assuming these are probably people, uh, who knows? I'm not going to make any assumption. So I'm going to say this. First of all, it has been talked about basically nonstop, it feels to me, since the late 1980s when I started reading reports and surveys and studies about it. It happened throughout the entire 1990s. It was, again, talked about in the early 2000s. Here we are in 2022, it's still being talk, talked about over and over and over, that we have a major problem within the church. Forget outside the church. Look, when it comes outside the church, I don't expect them to read the Bible. I don't expect them to care about the Bible. I don't expect them to even own a Bible, all right? I'm not expecting anything from the world, but from inside the church, there has been a continuing problem that inside the church, we have people who are not engaged in any reg on a regular basis with the scriptures and not not only are they not engaged with it they don't seem to they that if they are engaged in some way it may just amount to reading or it may amount to I have a little devotional guide right here opening a devotional guide reading the scripture and reading the devotional guide now I'm not saying that's the worst thing in the world but I'm saying it that basically bible engagement for many in the church it either doesn't exist and if it does exist, it basically is nothing more than reading and maybe reading a little devotional. And that's it. Serious engagement with like consistent Bible study where they're actually, you know, taking the text apart, using a Bible study method, doing outlines, answering questions, doing the things we do like for the Bible study exercise. That is becoming, I mean, more and more 
rare. It's becoming more and more not the norm. It's the exception. And so forever it's been shown that Christians, a lot of people within the church no longer have a Christian worldview, that those within the church are biblically illiterate, that those within the church are theologically illiterate, that those within the church are illiterate when it comes to church history. We've been, that's been yelled and screamed about for, it seems like my entire Christian life. And it never seems to get any better. It seems to get worse and 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 worse. And it's, and now it seems like these numbers would indicate that possibly the trend is even getting worse than it has before. Maybe even at a far larger rate than we could even imagine. Now, a lot of those people, maybe they're outside of the church, maybe, but we know there's a problem inside the church. There's just no, no way around it. And again, this is why at the, when the pandemic was really starting to have major impact, I was like, look, don't see this as a time to start yelling and screaming and going crazy. This is an opportunity. We have an opportunity here. Let everyone dig into the scriptures. Let's, let's really use this as an opportunity, but many did not. So this has been the problem. It's always been the problem, and I'm just going to state this as the first major cause, in my estimation, of why many are becoming more and more disengaged, more and more people are no longer Bible users, more and more people are not, they're not just not looking to the scriptures. And I think the first problem, and it will always be this way, is distraction. We have more distraction now than we have ever had, ever. And next year, we'll have more distraction than we had the year before. And next year, there'll be even more distraction. For any person on any given day, all the things available for you to do is absolutely staggering. Like I've, I've, I've stated it my whole life, and I'm going to say it again. And, so, and this, this is where sometimes I just don't understand uh, there's one thing uh, one thing about society I don't understand, and in another way, I do understand. Let me explain. For my entire life, I don't care what age I was, I have never have ever said one time in my life, I'm bored. I don't know what that means. I don't understand that. I have always been so overwhelmed by all the things that are available to me. Like, how can I be bored? Like, there, I, going way back, way before we have all the things that we have today, I'd be like, I, you know, I, I've told the story before. I was, what, kindergarten, first grade, second grade? I was very little, and I would walk from our house, okay, about a block to South First in Abilene, Texas. I would catch the bus. I would sit on the bus until it stopped at the Abilene Public Library, and I would spend four, five, six hours in the Abilene Public Library as a kid. How could I be bored? There was a million books there that, I, well, some of them I couldn't even read because I didn't know how to read those words, but, but over time. And then it was the comic book store, and then it was the music store, and then it was this, and then it was that. And then I was like, there was, I always felt like there's too much to do in a day. That's why I've always hated and despised sleep with every ounce of my being because there's too much to do. How can I go to sleep? I didn't even do half the things I wanted to do today. There was always another album to listen to, another book to read, another comic book, another another this to do, another there was always something more. I was always blown away by how much and then as I've grown older there was more and more and more and more and more and more and now sometimes I feel like I'm drowning with all the choices. Between my iPad, my television, music, it's just like I what 
I mean, there's no way to even comprehend how much that is available to us on any given day. You just think about all the movies available to you, TV shows, TV series, sports, like right now, downstairs in my study, my television is on because it's opening day for Major League Baseball. And right now I've got MLB, uh, what's it called? MLB innings on, on Apple TV Plus. And guess what? They're, they're going from game to game to game to game. They're just dropping into different games, showing you what's going on. Okay, it's, it, And then I could be turning on ESPN. There's going to be games. There's so many games available today. I, I've got Sirius XM satellite radio here on my iPad. I can listen to all the games. I can just choose any game I want today. That's just baseball. Right? Don't forget all the music. All, just, just a million things. So I think the problem is, and it has always been, is there is just so much to distract us. And it's hard when you have a million distractions to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to study the Bible. I'm going to study the Bible today. I'm going stu- to just study the Bible. I'm going to study the Bible. Distraction, it will always be there. I don't care. In every, in every generation, there's always something to distract us because let's be honest, many times, about 99% of the time, the distractions are far more appealing to the flesh than the scriptures. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. My flesh right now, I, I think I'd prefer to be downstairs right now watching baseball or listening to music. There's some music I'm behind on I want to catch up on. I mean, my flesh right now does not want to be sitting here upstairs sitting in a microphone talking about the reasons there's so little Bible engagement because, but it's not because I want to be engaged in the Bible. It's because I want to be engaged in something else. I know about distraction. And so do you, we all know it. Distraction is only going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. It's just, it's that simple. And, and we have to acknowledge that there is distraction distraction. And that's why I'm always blown away that what many churches have done, I'll never understand this. There's a million distractions within society, right? Distraction is there. We can all acknowledge. And what many churches do is like, hey, you know what? We've got to find a way to attract people. So what they do is then the church becomes a source of really more distraction. I said, we're not going to preach and teach. We're going to have a you know, uh, this activity or this activity or this activity or this activity, especially in youth departments, it's about entertainment. The church doesn't need to provide any more entertainment. The church doesn't need cookouts. They don't need picnics. They don't need potlucks. They don't need ice cream socials. They don't need any of that because the people have enough distraction as it is. The church needs to be providing as much spiritual food as possible because there's already 27 billion distractions. But many churches feel like they have to compete with the distraction by real, really becoming a source of more distraction. I'll never understand that. Come to church for some fun. I don't need you to give me fun. I've got too much fun. I'm drowning in fun. I'm drowning in entertainment. I need you to feed me the word of God. But distraction, I think we can all agree, right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put distraction. Second thing I'm gonna put, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, there's one I should put as second, I should put this a second, but I'm not. I'm not going to. The second thing, we have distraction. And I think this is very important. I think a lot of reasons Christians have kind of, or people just in general, maybe just kind of gotten tired of the Bible and just kind of turned from that, I think has a lot to do with them being 
turned off, not just from the Bible, but from church and from Christianity in general. Because, I, and I know I'm going to say this, but I think this is true. I think many feel that the Bible, because they associate the Bible with Christianity, that Christianity has become so political and they're tired of the political division. They're tired of the political rhetoric. They're tired of all the politics. And so in, in many cases, the Bible has become seen almost as something that belongs to a political party. In other words, the political hijacking of Christianity, I think, has negatively impacted many people's like desire to have anything to do with the Bible. I cannot 100% prove this, but I just say this. The political hijacking has contributed in a, its own separate way to distracting people or discouraging people. Let's say do it this way. We have distraction and we have discouragement. Many people are discouraged from the Bible because of all the political nonsense in the church. And if the church is, if Christianity is so politicized, then many may feel like, and this may be trying to explain those outside of Christianity, I think even some within Christianity, just get fed up with it all. Just get fed up. And, and it's hard sometimes, you want to read the Bible, but for some people, the Bible is so associated with Christianity that they become d distracted or discouraged because of all the political hijacking. Now, I can't 100% guarantee that, but I, I, I can say this. There are plenty of people out there saying, I'm sick of Christianity. It's become too political. I'm sick of Christianity. It's become too political. Well, if they were engaged with Christianity and Bible reading, they're no longer because they've been discouraged by it. I, I, I get emails from people. I'm so, I, you know, I, I can't find a church because they're so political, so political, so political. So if, if you're not, and it's like, well, that, that, that's a bad, that's a bad thing. That's a very bad thing. So I think there's discouragement. I think there's distraction. I think there's discouragement. Third, I think a big issue, and there's no simple explanation for this. We have a problem with desire. Many Christians just don't desire to spend any meaningful time in Bible study. I have begged. I, I have stood in front of uh, people in my own congregation. I've stood in front of singles class, youth groups, adult Sunday school classes. I've, I've stood in front of other congregations when I was in Nebraska. I have begged people over and over and over and over and over to give me a straight answer. And nobody will, nobody will ever really give me a straight answer. I've tried to get Christians to say, why don't you want to read? Why don't you want to study? Why is it that you have so little desire? Now, usually they get offended and try to claim that they do, but I'm like, come on, there's, there's, no, there's no reason to lie. There, there's no reason to lie. You don't read, you don't study. You know that. You won't, you won't do anything I give you to do. You won't, give, you won't do anything anybody gives you to do. You leave church and you, and you have other things you want to do, whether it's tele television, whether it's this or that. And, and, and just wait. To me, the, the dead giveaway, it, they, the Christians will deny, 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 but get them together in like a fellowship. Boom. Just let, listen to them talk. Hey, this week, man, I was, I was studying this passage of scripture and I really got questions about this. What do you think? Very little of that's going on. People are talking about family, work, whatever. It's about everything other than the Bible. Well, guess what? What people talk about is what's that's what they're thinking about. 
And I, I, I've, I've always been blown away. I, even when I was a, a teenager in the church, I was like, does anybody here want to study anything? Does anybody want to read anything? Does anybody want to do anything? When I was, whenever I attended a small group or adult Sunday school classes or anything else, almost every situation, they'd give us a curriculum. Like, here you go. Here's, here's the quarterly curriculum, right? You would come back and you would find out, or even a small group, we're going to study this book. You'd come in. It would only take like four minutes to realize nobody read anything. Nobody did the homework. Nobody read anything. Nobody did anything. They didn't even read the passage of scripture. Now they would all want to be willing to, you know, argue that they, they've got it all figured out. But I watched this over and over and over. There's just no desire. And I can't get Christians to ever just give me a truthful answer of why not. They just get offended when, when confronted. Where's your desire? Now, there was a time in my Christian life where I would want to say, well, this proves that nobody's saved, okay, which I, yeah, I, I think that that's not necessarily the way to go. But I think that there's clearly a problem. As a newborn babe, desire the sincere, sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The word of God, God's law, is we should desire it more than gold and silver. It, 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 we should desire it more than food. It should be just like natural for us. But so many Christians have no desire. Now, you could argue the distraction leads to a lack of desire. You could say the discouragement leads to a lack of desire. I just don't get it. But, 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 but I've tried to let other Christians explain it to me, right? So, and so when you say, so what do you do? I say, Monday, so you're not here. Monday, Tuesday, say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Say you only come to church on Sunday. Let's say that's, you're in a church where you only come to church on Sunday. What are you doing the rest of the week? And you're like, any, any serious Bible study? Some will read, but they're not going to take any time to study. Most don't even have a notebook. I wouldn't even know what to do with a notebook. If you gave them a notebook and a pencil, they'd be like, what do I do with this? Study. If you're not writing, you're not studying. That's kind of a given, right? You got to be writing things down. You got to be outlining, writing down definitions, doing cross-reference, doing word studies. You, you got to be you, topical studies, thematical studies, biographical studies. I mean, I, I can go on and on and on and on, and they got nothing. Now, I understand every week can be different. There's some weeks nobody can have anything because of what's going on in their life. But I'm saying there just seems to be no, no anything. And it seems to be getting worse, not better. It seems to be getting worse and not better. So what can the church do? What can churches do? Well, churches have tried everything. I mean, if I, I, I've looked at I've seen every gimmick. I've seen every trick there is, right? Churches, I mean, for forever. In fact, many churches will still tell you this. You've got to be a part of a small group. You've got to be a small a part of a small group. I mean, I, I, I cannot tell you how many sermons I've listened to where they're announcing the beginning of their, the, you know, the new season for small groups because they sometimes take a break, I guess, during the summer, then come back at the fall and, or come back in the spring. I don't remember all the, the way they do, they do small groups, but I will always hear those sermons where they're introducing their small groups for the year. And it's like, you know, basically, if you're not part of a small group, you're not going to grow. You're not, because that's where the growing takes place. That's where the learning takes. I don't know why you go to church because supposedly all the real stuff happens in small group. I don't even know why you go to church because they, they sell it like without the small group, you're doomed. You're, it's the end of the world. But churches have tried those small groups forever. The statistics don't show that they've done anything. 
They may have built social groups where people develop close friendships. But I, I mean, those small groups tend to be, uh, in many cases, their Bible study is an absolute joke. So the churches have tried every trick under the sun, then it hasn't worked. There's ministries who, there's parachurch ministries who've risen up trying. There's, there's just no way to make, you can't give people a desire. Here's the thing. You can come up with every program in the world. You can spend a half a million dollars on curriculum, Bible study guides. I mean, I used to try to provide the people in my church everything, devotionals, Bibles. I tried. And after a while, you just realize nobody's using these things. Nobody. Now, when I say nobody, there was always some. But I'm saying based off what we're paying versus the number of people using, it's like we're just throwing money. We'd be better off just to come to church. Everyone had any of the money. I open the front door and just fling it across the road. And whoever drives by gets it. They'll probably use it. We're just wasting money. And, and then you'll notice because like if you'll, if you'll get like a, hey, we're going to start this new devotional guide. It's going to be made available to everyone. I'll put it here in front of the church. Oh, the first, the first ones that you give out, there's probably, there's none left. They've taken them all. Six months in, you got a stack of 30 because nobody's touching them anymore because nobody's using them anymore. Or if they do take them and you ask any question about it, hey, so this week, uh, the whole week, the Bible study guide was on and they look at you like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, remember that Bible study guide that we're spending $100 a, you know, a, a month on? Oh, okay, never mind. So you begin to realize, so churches have tried everything. You can't fix the desire. You just can't. You can, you can try to warn them of the distraction. You can try to hope to protect them from the discouragement of all the craziness going on within the church. But here's the, th- the only thing I think you can do. Is all you can do is make the teaching as good as you can so that when they're there, they get the best amount, they get the best meal they can spiritually. Go all in, go all in, go all in. And what you have to do is you can't get discouraged by those who are not interested and focus on the ones who are. If there's only two people who are interested, focus on the two, not the 98 that are not. Doesn't mean you ignore the 98. Doesn't mean you just turn your back on the 98. It just means you realize that if, they, if they're not interested, focus on the ones who are. All right? So I think that's, that's the one thing. You just got to make the, every teaching opportunity to give them as much food as humanly possible because in many cases, they're not going to eat again until they're sitting in the pew. They're, they're going to just starve for a week. All right? they're, they're, on, they're on some kind of weird diet where I only eat once a week. So that's, that's one thing the church can do. The next thing is you can use every available technological advancement as you can to make as much stuff available as possible. This is why I am so committed to the Bible study exercises. This is why I am so committed to this. Because here's the thing. A lot of people realize that there's a million things available online to listen to. And that's wonderful. But many of those things you just passively listen right? You passively listen to a program, which is great. You may learn something. You may hear a different interpretation of the Bible. You may hear a great outline. I, by all means, recommend you subscribe to everything, okay? Wonderful, great. But in many cases, you're just passively listening. You may remember what that program was about. Two hours later, you may have forgotten it. The reason we do the Bible study exercises is because I'm trying to get people not to just sit there, but to pick up a Bible and a notebook and actually join us in the actual study. 
so that they're not only are they Bible users, they are Bible, they're engaged with it. They're reading, they're using the curriculum, they're writing things down, they're looking things up, they're doing the homework. All I can do is make that available. I can't, I can't give people out there the desire to do it. I can't, right? I can't. If I look at the number of people who actually listen to the Bible study exercise messages, those numbers are very high. So in some ways, it's been encouraging. A lot of people are listening to the Bible study exercises. Now, the number of people actually participating, I don't know. I know those who, those who let me know they're participating by sending me their work or, or, or letting me know, that, is a, that, is a, that percentage is so small, it's almost not even recognizable when you look at the total number of people listening. Now, there may be more people participating, just not letting me know, but that means all you can do is you can't, I can't allow, I, this is the one thing I've tried not to do. With other things, I may look at numbers and say, you know what, I don't, I don't think anyone really cares. I'm going to stop this. If the Bible study exercises go to zero, I'm going to do my best not to stop it because I, the, the statistics are telling me it's needed more than ever. We've got to get people from actually picking up that Bible and reading it and looking at it and studying it. We, uh, the church right now is running uh, Christian podcasts, Christian programs everywhere, running around talking about how messed up the world is, how messed up the culture is. They're worried about people being woke and progressive, uh, cr- progressive Christianity and critical race theory, and it's yell and scream and everything's going, everything's going bad, everything's going bad. Well, the solution is getting people a biblical worldview. You got to get people to study the Bible. Here's the thing: you can't give people the desire for it. But you can do this instead of yelling and screaming about everything else and getting distracted. Teach, 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 and not just teach. Teach in a way that engage that that forces the listener to actually be pick up a Bible and do their own work. I think we have to. I think there has to be. I think what we need is a revival of Bible engagement, and, and, and this revival needs to happen from those who teach the Bible. They need to teach in a way that, that, that begs and screams and almost demands engagement, not teach in a way that just you just sit there, close your eyes, and when I'm done talking, you wake up. It's like, no, I'm going to be asking you questions. No, you're going to be involved in this. No, we're going to figure this out together. No, we're going to work on this. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? I think, I think we, if it's ever, if, if it's ever been needed to, to transition to a different style, I, I think it's now, I think it's now because, because too many people are just dropping out. And then there's a lot of people who sit in a pew who've dropped out. They're in the pew, but they're not engaged. They're not, they're not, they're not studying anything. They just kind of sit and listen. Okay. Okay. Maybe they'll take some notes. But I mean, you you can you can you can find plenty of people who take notes in the sermon and ask them, you know, on, on a Sunday morning and then Sunday night you get ready to do a review. Without those notes, they don't remember anything because the notes doesn't guarantee they will remember. It's great that they're taking the notes. Now, what you hope is that those notes actually get looked at at another time for meditation and thought and discussion. But in many cases, that's not the case. But so you've got to get them involved in the actual study process. I. I don't know what, I don't, 
Look, I think distraction is a, is a definite. I don't think anyone can argue me about that. Discouragement, I just think a lot of people have just kind of gotten fed up with it all, just thinking it's too political. It's just, it's just, and and I think that's, at least that's contributing, at least in my mind, to some part, because it has become so political. Um, and then I think that the desire, you can't, you just cannot give people a desire. You cannot create the desire. I, th- I think you can challenge people to ask themselves why they don't have the desire. But what's bothered me is I never can get Christians to give me a straight answer. So why is it, guys? Why? 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 And they just look at you. And I'm like, well, after church, tell me. And you won't hear a word. You won't hear a word. And you say, okay, guys, we're going to try this. Okay, we're, I'm going to give everyone this devotional guide or, or I'm going to give everyone this Bible. Okay, we're all going to do it, right? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And then you'll just realize it won't. Now, they will. They may point to to distraction. They may point to a number, but uh, but I think what a lot of times people won't acknowledge is just what, you don't have a desire. It's amazing when you desire to do something. It's amazing how you find the time to do it. When you truly desire something, you'll do it. Nothing's going to stop you. Oh, it may it may delay it. It may, you may have to change the when, the where, the how, but you'll pull it off somehow. Maybe not to the same level because of, 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 of distraction. And that distraction can be legitimate responsibilities at time. I understand that. Distractions can be medical issues. Trust me, I understand that. Taking a drink of water. But there you go. I, I spent longer on this than I wanted to, but I at least wanted to bring it to everyone's attention because when I saw the news article this morning, I was just like, man, how, how the numbers continue to go down. And that's a massive drop in a year. That's a massive drop. That's a massive drop considering the only thing you have to do to be considered a user is just pick up the Bible outside of the church three or four times in an entire 12-month period. Give me a break. We'll see. When, when they release more information, we will see. Maybe we'll get some studies that contradict this. I mean, sometimes that can happen. You'll get one set of studies and, and then another study will come out and call that one into question. Maybe we'll get something that will contradict this and maybe then it's not as bad as it appears to be. But I, I think that there is a lack of desire. There's an apathy. There's a complacency. And you can't fix that. You can pray first for ourselves that we don't lose a desire. Pray for us to protect ourselves from distraction and discouragement. We can do everything we can to find people around us and, and try to get them. Do, every, do everything you can to be encouraging to get people engaged. Like, here, here's what I think. Don't, from the pulpit, sometimes you have to rebuke. That's true. For the average person, when you know other Christians, do what you can to encourage their engagement. Don't go after it from a rebuking standpoint or a confrontational standpoint. Be one of those people that actually, man, yeah, oh, 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 what are you studying? Like, be so contagious in a sense that people are just like, wow, yeah, I want to study that too. What are you studying? Like, just the way you talk about it, the way you're excited about it, you're not like, you should be doing it. You can just talk about what you're studying, and hopefully that encourages them want to participate. Be, be, be a positive influence. Sometimes as a pastor, you have to go, look, people, I don't know what the problem is. All right, sometimes you got to be 
confrontational. What I try to do now is just say, well, for the Bible study exercise this week, this is what we're doing. For those who are participating, those who are not, and just let them know, hey, we're doing something on the Bible study exercise. If, if you want to be a part of it, the curriculum is there. You, 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 can, you can participate. I just, I, I just kind of throw it out there and then see who does and who doesn't and not worry. And I can't, those who don't, I can't worry about it. Just make sure that whenever I do something from the pulpit dealing with the Bible study exercise, I teach it in a way that the people are not participating or not completely left out. Because that would, if I, if I do something just to try to leave them out, that would be simply trying to make a point that would not be godly. Try, try to find those around you whom you can encourage to pick up a Bible and get involved in, and, 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 and study. But a lot of people, and a lot, and a lot of people will, uh, they, they just allow that a lot of people allow secondary issues to become a primary issue. Instead of being in a place where you can actually study the Bible, they'll get offended over one little thing and be like, that's it. I'm done with that. You, you, we, we, we got to get focused on, on the primary issues here, right? Like, you know, Christians running around yelling and screaming. Here's the thing. I'll just give you an example. All, I, how many articles? I saw another article just the other day about the Disney movie. What, what's it called? Red, or what's it called? I forget the name of the movie with the panda. Uh, what's her name? Is it Red? Is it? Let me look it up. I did a whole podcast episode. Obviously, I moved on past it relatively quick. Um, let me see here. Okay, let me see. Is it uh, Disney Red? Yeah, a Red Panda. Yeah, or, or Turning Red. Turning Red. Yes. Okay. I almost forgot. I saw just an, an article just the other day, and then I think I heard something on. Uh, was an American family radio, their news program, something else about turning red. It's like Christians are running around yelling and screaming about turning red while Bible engagement's dropping at an unprecedented rate. Do you see the disconnect? We've got to worry about Disney. We may want to worry about the fact no one's reading their Bible. (laughs) What we may want to worry about is that nobody's studying the Bible. What we may want to be worried about is that everyone's biblically illiterate. What we may need to be worried about is no one seems to know how to interpret a basic passage of scripture or even break it down. Maybe that's what we need. No, 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 no. Turning red. We've got to do something about Disney. We, in fact, I received an American Family Association alert that, you know, we need to boycott Disney. I received a a couple. Let's see. What was the, what was the other American Family Radio alert? Let me see. I got one today. Let me see here. I can find it. Um, Oh, uh, here we go. AFA. Uh, Oh, here's what we, so this is the American Family Association action alert for today. This is what we need to do as a Christian. I need to stop what I'm doing and I need to urge my senators to vote no on Jackson for the Supreme Court nomination. I need urge Senate to oppose nomination of Judge Jackson. We have to stop that. That's what we should be worried about. We should be worried about who's going to be appointed to the Supreme Court because we've got, that's where we need to focus. Nobody's reading their Bible. Nobody's engaged in the Bible. Everyone's biblically illiterate, but let's worry about this. Let's get involved in politics. All right, let's see. Did I get another AFA alert? Let me see here. I get these things quite frequently, and I only sign up just so I can see what I'm supposed to be upset about today as a Christian. Um, you know, what, 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 what? Okay, here's another one. Uh, okay, now uh, I'm supposed to stop Biden, uh, Biden's uh, transgender policies. I need, I need to be trying to fighting, uh, fight him on that. Let's see here. Um, I'm going through here. 
there's probably others. I get them relatively frequently, and I'm always supposed to be upset about something, but it's always political. It's always political. It's always political. Yeah, I, I don't know where the next one is. It's down here somewhere, but you get the idea. Now, not saying that those issues are not important, not saying that the, those issues can't be prayed for, okay? I also know that in many cases, there's very little you can do. I mean, I guess you can you can con- contact your senator and do that. But it just seems like we sometimes get so caught up in these secondary issues, distraction. And I think it can lead to discouragement because it's politic, 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 culture war, culture war, culture war. And just the word of God, Bible, no book, let's study. I got my journal right here. Let's go. There seems to be so little of that. You can tell me what you think. You can tell me. I just, I remember the uh, ministry um, and I, I was really, uh, I, I, I listened to it some in Texas, but it was at the very end of the 80s. And the next thing you know, I ended up in Nebraska for 10 years and it, the, the ministry was, was uh, headquartered in Nebraska and it was called Back to the Bible. And their ministry was all about getting people back to the Bible. That they, they would give you the statistics. People are not reading their Bible. People are not studying the Bible. So the whole ministry was like getting people back to the Bible, getting people back to the Bible. They tried everything under the sun. They, had, they came up with every trick in the sun, and ultimately their ministry went away. I think, it, I think there's now a back to the Bible. I think it, I guess now it's headquartered in Canada, I guess. I don't know if it's even connected with the original back to the Bible. But now the most you can get is a, a podcast that's like five minutes long. So back to the Bible has turned into a five-minute podcast. <laughs> like, yeah, that that didn't work. That that didn't work. So it, it's the the amount, but I, I'm glad the ministries are out there trying. But again, why was it a parachurch ministry? I don't know. I'll stop. You can email me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo. Dot com. Thanks for those who were listening live. They probably stopped listening because they were like, yeah, we've heard all of this before. Yeah, I've talked about all of this before. Yeah, about a million times. I, there's no, I'm not offering you anything new. I apologize for that. But what am I supposed to say? It, because here we are, 20, I've been talking about it literally, it seems like my whole Christian life. And here we are in 2022. And there's another statistic coming out saying, basically giving me the same kind of discouraging statistic that I have seen my entire Christian life. And and I, at some point, I I can't change what I say about it because it's always going to be the same thing. I would just like to stop talking about it if we could stop getting articles posted about the discouraging statistics of Bible engagement but I'm going to do everything in my power to try to provide content to get people engaged. And that's why we do the Bible study exercises. So at least I'm, I'm complaining about the problem, but I am trying to do something about the problem. There we have it. All right. Everyone have a great day. God bless. Okay. Well, I I hope it, I don't know if it's good stuff. Uh, It is depressing. It is depressing. So I'm just responding to someone in chat for those listening online. Um, Yeah, it's, it is depressing. It's, it's, it's discouraging that I just feel like I keep saying the same thing over and over about it, but I just, I don't know what else to say. And I don't know what other, I don't know what other reasons there are. So I'm going to make sure no one else has posted a comment. Give me one second. All right. Um, give, give me one second because I don't want to miss anything. 
Because a lot of times, right when I get ready to, to, to close everything out, someone will say something and then I'll be like, oh, wait. Okay, no. All right. Oh, someone is, uh, I guess, right? Well, I, uh, yeah, it is good that people are talking about it. I don't know what the solution is. Um, I, I think someone is listening to me while they're hiking, I think. Uh, or maybe they're saying they, they were saying that hiking is a distraction. Okay, it could be. I mean, it wouldn't be for me because I'm not going outside to do anything unless I'm being chased. Out. If I'm inside, I'm going outside only if I'm being attacked inside and I have to run outside for safety. Okay, there, there you go. All right. All right. Everyone have a great day. I'm going to uh, go downstairs, check and see what's going on in the world of baseball. And then uh, I'll probably try to do something else here shortly. All right. Uh, Because I think we're going to think we're getting ready to do Matthew 24. Right. Uh, Oh, someone said it was a joke. Okay. Yes. Hiking. Yeah. So they were joking about hiking. Okay. I thought, well, in some ways it would be cool if they were hiking and listening. That would be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. All right, so there we have it. But yeah, I'm going to check baseball. Then we're kind of out because I think what we're getting ready to do, I think we're going to start early, way early on our study of Matthew 24. I think I'm going to give you some massive head start. So uh, I think we're going to do that here shortly. We're going to introduce it because I think we've done, I think we've come pretty close to finishing this week's Bible study exercise. Other than your homework, I think I've done, uh, I think we took care of most of it. So yeah, I think we may be doing that here shortly. We'll see. All right, thanks for listening. God bless.